Yeah, guys, my name is Kayoko Lee. That is K-A-Y-O-K-O-L-E-E. And you can also find me on my business page, which is Authentic Martian. And you are listening to Strategies for the Culture. Thank you for so much for having me and thank you for tuning in. You're listening to the Strategies for the Culture podcast. The podcast that evaluates the building blocks of the marketing and public relations strategies that make the culture go round. Taking a closer look at the behind the scenes efforts of our favorite brands, celebrities, and companies. This podcast will help you understand successful, results driven strategies and how you can build your own. Hosted by award winning creative strategist and publicist Donovan Mack. This is Strategies for the Culture. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Strategies for the Culture. I am super excited to have this guest on today. She is what I call a content queen. And if my Instagram could just be like hers, I'd just be so much happy, happier currently. But no, she literally is killing the game right now, teaching everybody how to be authentically themselves. Please welcome Ko. How are you? Hello. I'm great. How are you? I am so good. I'm super excited to have you on. And in addition to just the strategy for the culture, you're just a super amazing person. So I'm so glad to have you on. I know we met. Is it been two years ago? One year ago? Time is an it is. I think it was two years ago at BYOB. Yes, um, and, yes. And ever since then, we've definitely kept rocking with each other. So, for yeah. sure, for sure. I remember coming to your event as well. And even then, you were like, hey, what's up? How are you? I don't know who you are, yes. but you came. You're here. <laughs> um, so, yeah, from there. And then finally getting to meet me each other at BYOB. It was definitely mm-hmm. something. But I want to go yep. back into your journey. I want to take me back to high school KO. Because I know KO now, but tell me how you got there and then how you are here today, pretty much. But let's start at high school. How were you then? And then everything that you're being, were you authentic or not? High school KO was wild. High school KO was definitely, you know, just a free spirit. And, you know, you really couldn't put many limitations on her. But um, I danced all throughout uh, middle and high school. And so I was the um, I did competitive dance all the way up until I was 18. Um, and I really didn't know what I wanted to do as far as schooling was concerned. I kind of just knew that I wanted to dance, that I wanted to be in the NFL. And that's kind of where my where my dreams, uh, you know, took me. Um, and then as far as, you know, college, I didn't know where I wanted to go to college either. So I kind of just applied to different places. Um, but Marshall ended up being where I decided to go. And so. Um, I was the dance captain there for two years out of the four years I danced. um, And it really kind of set the trajectory of me wanting to really do NFL and get into it because it was training. It was, you know, actual game day um, experience. And I really just started to figure out who I was in college, as most people do. So once I once I did that, I tried out for Ravens for NFL and I wasn't like I think I more so got into my authenticity or got back in touch with it after I retired from NFL. You know, um, there's a lot of things and I, and I love cheering is the best four years of my life, but they really, you have to fit the mold of what they want. Um, so I think that's with any industry that you get into, you kind of have to check yourself at the door and ask yourself, who am I? Because you start to lose light of, of who you are. Um, especially when they say like, you have to, sound a certain way you have to look a certain way you have to be a certain weight you have to be a certain height you know that you really kind of fit the form of what they want you to be um so when I started my company uh when I started my blog Glow Galaxy I was in my second to last year of cheering and I knew that I wanted to 
kind of find my voice again, but I didn't know in which way to do that. So I started a blog um, and that's kind of where I had my Martians and my following and my engagement start to kind of come through a little bit. And my first year of entrepreneurship, actually making money from it was through Authentic Martian. Um, so we are in our first year and our second year will be in April. Um, so we're just, you know, continuing to grow that way. Um, but it's just, it's been such a blessing and I've met so many people along the way that have kind of helped me and saying, this is how you, how you grow a business this is how you grow a, a, a clothing line. Um, so it's really been just a blessing all the way around from the people that I've met, the experiences, um, and just kind of finding like who I am through that process. And you're, and you're going to get tested in so many different ways. But, you know, I found out that my way has been just being authentic and just being myself. So, yeah. I love that 100%. And I want to ask you one question before we get into all, you know, entrepreneurship. But, like, did you have teachers like Diana Williams, like Abby Lee from Abby Lee Dance Company? Like, were they super <laughs> hard on you and then you kind of got to where you were? Or, like, tell me how the teachers around you kind of either helped boosted you to be who you are today or, like, they were like, listen, they taught me this stuff, but it was all me. Oh, my gosh. My dance teachers were amazing like from just how to be and grow up to be a, a proper woman and a lady to you know wanting to train me and saying like you're capable of doing this like I will say I was a chunkster growing up I'm not gonna lie like I definitely you know had some baby fat on me so a lot of things like looking at you know people that are a lot skinnier than me or were a lot like you know I I didn't think I was capable of doing it and they really spoke life into me um, it made me believe that, yo, you're you're good. And and you once you work a little bit harder, you have it. You know, you have all the tools um, that you need. So I think having a just not not only my parents, but just having a village around me that really just told me how good I am. And, and, and not just like the natural talent, but just, you know, what I the effort that they saw in me and, and the fact that I worked hard. I mean, they were nothing short of amazing. So, yeah. That is so good. And tell me about Marshall. I think the first time I heard of the school was that you went there. Um, what was that yeah. decision looking like? Because my college acceptance story, and just to be brief, um, I got denied from like maybe like 15 schools and then finally found my oh, school. Yeah. And then my mom was like, you got to transfer to, I was going to school in Pennsylvania. And she was like, that school's too uh -huh. expensive. You got to come to Maryland. Mm -hmm. So actually the school that denied me when I was a senior accepted me when I was a college freshman. So I transferred, yeah. you know, so I've been a part of that kind of school gang that nobody knows but tell me about that decision on how you kind of got to Marshall I mean similar to your story I wasn't accepted to all the schools I applied for either actually school wasn't really my first thought it was to have fun in high school and then I was like oh snap everybody's going to college what am I going to do so I didn't have awful grades but at the same time I definitely didn't because I actually had to work hard in school there's some people that it just comes naturally to them but I actually had to bust my butt in order to, you know, get to that point where I was eligible for, you know, good grades and, and all that stuff. So I was actually um, accepted to Spelman and I was also um, accepted to Marshall. And when I toured Spelman, um, it was it was cool. I, I loved Atlanta and I loved, you know, that it was all girl school. And I really just loved the name, to be quite honest. But I know that from my high school, it was a very diverse high school. And I knew that I wanted a diverse atmosphere from cultural to 
um, you know, genders. Like I knew I wanted that type of feel. And I also knew that I wanted, like my goal was NFL. And so being able to dance in both settings, football and basketball was very important to me. So when I took a tour to Marshall, I tried out on the spot because they had already had auditions. So once I tried out on the spot, they were like, well, you're on the team. So are you going to accept this offer? <laughs> like in addition to accept this offer for school. And I was just like, I mean, sure. Like, it, and it was that simple. And I, and I look back and I'm like, God really made it so simple for me. Um, as far, cause he knew that I couldn't, I'm, I'm not really good with pressure like that. <laughs> um, and so it was kind of like, he just made my decision happen for me, which was awesome. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how my journey happened, you know, through Marshall and through like my teachers and stuff, because they just kind of paved the way. Um, and it wasn't a decision that I really had to make. They kind of just it, it happened for me. That is so good, too, because we have severely similar stories now that I'm hearing, because I actually have a friend that went to Spelman. And it was like just wasn't for her because it didn't fit yeah. her goals as far as that was. But I actually went to a school for track and field and meeting the coach. Of course, I didn't try out in front of the coach, but meeting the coach, he was like, so you gonna make a decision now or what? Like you drove all the way up here from yeah. Pennsylvania, from Maryland to Pennsylvania. Like, are you going to be like oh, yeah, I'm going to drive back for four hours and make my decision. It was like, nah, like, yeah. I'm actually going to go here. So that's interesting mm -hmm. how that kind of came about, uh, especially you becoming dance captain and things like that. That really, I see, set kind of in your foundation. Now, the transfer oh, yeah. from graduation to, like, NFL, did you ever, first of all, did you ever watch the Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders? Because I could see you being one uh, of them. That was my favorite show. Dallas Cowboy, making the team Dallas Cowboy yes, Cheerleaders yes. was my favorite show growing up. And I literally was obsessed with the tryout process from Redskins to Ravens to any team for that matter. I literally studied how to be an NFL cheerleader. And I think during that process, I, it really groomed me for the mindset. It groomed me for what to expect. And I mean, I knew that it was a 10% chance I wasn't making that team, but I was pretty confident in the fact that I was going to be a cheerleader at the end of the day. And I made it on my first try. You know, normally people, they don't, they, it takes them five tryouts to make it. And they, I saw my number up there and I was already confident and convicted that I knew, but just, uh, just a little background. Um, when I graduated, uh, I was still going through finals and I also was in my tryout process. So I drove seven hours to get my, take my final and seven hours back because tryouts is a month long process. So you have a month to figure out if you're making this team or not. And there's like five different rounds. So, you know, you're, you're taking your finals. Then you have to drive at night seven hours to get back for a Monday uh, or a, a morning practice for the following day. So you're constantly back and forth, back and forth. And I remember in my interview process, Tina, which is the director for Raven, she looked at me, she said, so what makes you think you're dedicated for this team? I said, Tina, the fact that I just drove here seven hours <laughs> from West Virginia to Baltimore just shows my dedication already. And I knew that I wanted to be a part of this team. And I think she, she could see my commitment and she knew my willingness to give whatever it, whatever it takes to get there. Um, and so that way, when I was captain for the last two years, it was a no brainer. So that is crazy. And you know what's me and my mom has been binge watching the show. But in addition, like they're doing like contemplations on YouTube. So everyone, uh -huh. each one comes out, me and my mom watch it. But in addition, a lot of those girls did what you did as far as 
seven hours back. Like I had a life before, even if it wasn't school. Like I had a whole job that I came for to do these tryouts and not to mention right. it being a month. And I could imagine your interview process because I watched the Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders go through it. And it's like, I just drove all this time and then still like very qualified. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, and, and I think that they do that to test you a little yeah. bit to really just see like, are they going to fold? Are they going to break? What are they going to say? And I think at that moment, like they knew I was a good dancer. They wanted to see if I could talk. Um, and they, they just really wanted to see like who I was as a person. So asking me those questions was, was really just to see like, you know, what's her mindset like? Like, what is, what is she, what is she thinking right now? Especially because I mean, it is a long drive. So I, it could have been, well, is she going to quit? Cause she's tired of the drive and, you know, the, she still has to graduate and stuff like that. So I, as far as the commitment, I definitely understand her reasoning behind it. But I think that was a perfect, again, a perfect question for me because I was, that just was like proof in the pudding. Like I'm here on time, you know, ready to make this team. So, yeah. Absolutely. And not to mention, I'm the captain of my team back at the school. So that's also something on your plate. But tell me about yeah. that confidence, you know, that you said you had. Like, how did could that grow from high school? How did that kind of come about to be like, of course, a Elvis woman, how long I drove. But in addition to be like, yeah. I got the confidence to do this dance wise. And of course, I can speak, you know, with eloquence. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think confidence comes with just grooming and, and it takes work. It doesn't just come overnight. Right. So like I said before, when I was in high school, I was a chunkster. I really just kind of ate what I want and I had like a Grossberg, but I could still afford to like, you know, lose some pounds and really get myself like in tip top shape for NFL. Um, so I think whatever you're lacking, you just have to go harder in that area. And so for me, it was being able to talk. It was being able to work out and eat right. Um, and just really kind of like a lifestyle shift. I wouldn't say change because I wasn't doing awful, um, but it definitely it could use a shift um, in terms of, you know, what you were doing before and now just grooming yourself for the next level. Um, and I think that's with anything that you do, um, you kind of where you find your lack in confidence. You have to ask yourself, where is that coming from? For, for, for one. And then you also have to ask yourself, now, how could I get better at it? Because a lot of the times we have little voices in our head that tells us we can't or we're doubting ourselves or you're not capable of doing this or whatever that voice is telling you. But are you listening to it? And I think once you once you kind of fill that with I can do it or, you know, I'm just I'm, I'm not good at it now, but I will be. Those are different dialogues that you're having with yourself, you know, and, and it happens all the time. But you have to just be very diligent and to like feeding your feeding your thoughts with positive affirmations and then just the willingness to just get it done. I love that so much. I'm nodding my head over the phone like, yes, yes, that is so <laughs> true. <laughs> so I love the motivation yeah. already. A question with like transitioning back from graduation, of course, into, you know, you become a Ravens cheerleader. Did people give you flack for like, what are you going to do after? And they were like, oh, my God, I'm going to be a cheerleader for the NFL. Were they like, mm, girl, are you, are you serious? Like, was that already yeah. attached to you? Like, was that like a no brainer or were people like you need to go find a real job? And yeah. <laughs> I mean, I still had a real job because in NFL, you either have to be a full-time mom, a full-time student, or a full-time employee. So I was still working um, nine to five full-time. Um, and then I just, I was gracious enough to have, be in a position where they said, okay, you can leave early to go to practice or whatever. Um, so I still, you know, worked. Um, but, you know, it's funny because some people think NFL is the coolest thing in the world. 
And then you have some people, excuse me, some people that are like, oh, okay, sure. You know, but it really just depends on who you're talking to. I think if you love it deep down in your heart, it really doesn't matter what people think. At least for me, I knew that I wanted to do this since I was 16 years old. You know, I knew that I wanted to be on a field and I, I watch football Sundays with my dad all the time. I watch the Ravens. So I just knew I was like, I'm going to be on that field one day. And they're like, yeah, you are. Like, and, and that's just how my parents were. They were like, okay, cool. If that's what you say you're going to do, like, we fully anticipate you doing this. And they were very supportive, came to every game. Um, and they were, they just rocked it out with me. So, yeah. That's perfect. That's perfect. Literally, I've got a lot of flack for communications and things like that. But I even through the pandemic, I still have my job. So, of course, exactly. I've got those parents that like ride with you for sure. But that yeah. balance in nine to five. First of all, did you study dance in college? And then like kind of how was that nine to five story come about? Yeah, I mean, so going back to like how long I've been studying dance, I've been dancing since I was three. So, I mean, dance is definitely my second language. So I don't really know anything else, like the back of my hand, like I know dance and like terminology and stuff. So I grew up doing competitive dance all the way up until I was 18. And so, you know, the the hardest part about balancing nine to five and then balancing Ravens is that you learn everything. All your material is learned off of a video from your fillers from your dances, like everything you learn, you're learning it off of a video and then you have to get ready for camp. So the hardest part balancing was just making sure I knew all of the material for Ravens, but then also making sure I didn't fall short on my job. So I just made sure I finished everything and left it at work. And if they needed something, it wasn't anything off precedence. It was just like, okay, like make sure you get this done on Monday or whatever. Um, But, you know, for the most part, I I just practice and 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 uh, practice dance at home and then make sure I got with other dancers and practice with them because the more times you do it, the more times it becomes second nature. So yeah, I mean that's essentially what I did to balance both of them is just make sure work stays at work and dance stays at dance and you just go home and you clock out out of everything because <laughs> wow. it, sometimes it got overwhelming because you you're tired and you know you you gotta wake up the next day and do it all over again. So I just try to keep everything where it was supposed to be. Um, and then sometimes that spills over, but for the most part, you just have to be very, um, very goal oriented, you know, and just, and, and be very strict on your schedule. The hustle is unmatched, first of all, okay? Because I didn't even know you had all this, you know, under your belt. But I want to get into, of course, you starting your blog, Glow Galaxy, and kind of even you having your own brand, the entrepreneurial side of you. So 9 to 5, Ravens, entrepreneur. Like, tell me about how that spirit kind of grew in you as far as, like, I need to create the stuff that I own and kind of being authentically myself. Yeah, um... I honestly, I knew that I wanted to do, so I can't really pinpoint what it was in me that I was just like, I want to start something, right? Um, And I, I think it was just like me watching YouTube channels and just really just saying like, okay, like, this is dope and I could do this, you know? Um, So it kind of sparked in me like 2017 um, when I was just like, yo, like, I want to start a blog. And, And the thing is, is I didn't have all the pieces aligned yet. I just knew I needed to start, right? Because I, I kept like having dreams about it, and I kept like thinking like I can talk in front of people and I can relate to people. Um, and I wanted to do more like live events, and that's how you met me at the link up with yeah. that year. Um, but 
I I knew I wanted to start something. So Glow Galaxy came into play because I actually read this book called Girl Boss, and it was by uh, Sophia um, Claudio, I think her name is, but she was the uh, CEO and founder of Nasty Gal Clothing Line. Um, and she made a book called uh, Nasty Galaxy, and it basically was a, bo- a blog for, um, you know, just girls and creatives and, and people that were literally just themselves. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, that word galaxy, because I literally researched every every name that I could think of. It was going to be called Inside Out to be the most radiant version of yourself from the inside out. I mean, I, I just thought of everything and everything was either taken or it just didn't click. And so when I saw the word galaxy, I was just like, I, I love that. I just there's something about this out of world experience that it's it's more of a community that's not because, you know, here on Earth, you, you kind of have this like this uh, judgmental thing where you kind of, you know, judgmental or comparison. And I just didn't want to create an, a community or environment. So Galaxy just became another word for community and glow. I just wanted people to just glow up. Glow up was a huge phrase in 2017 where I was like, oh, I'm glow- this is my glow season or I'm glowing up. So combining the two just was perfect for me. Um, And I did a lot of interviews with that. I interviewed uh, a lot of different people um, from clothing brands to um, tattoo artists to, um, you know, just a lot of different uh, business owners and people like minded individuals. And so when I decided I wasn't making any money from it, but I, I learned how to, you know, create content on my own. And that that was how I was able to find good people to help me create content now, because if I knew I could do it on my own, I know I I could expand on their talents and we could tag team and work on something together. Um, And so when I decided to go into business for myself and to start a clothing line from it, it was, to me, it was a no brainer. It was kind of one of those things where I was talking about before where God kind of aligns you um, with where you need to go. Um, And so I met a lot of clothing uh, designers before small businesses and they kind of were just like, okay, well, if you want to do this, you you should think about that X, Y, and Z and, and all that stuff. So it, it was perfect for, you know, my niche and where I wanted to go. Um, and there's still so much more in the queue that's coming up, but yeah, I mean, for the first year within business, it's been, it's been pretty awesome. That is so good too, because literally there was a lot of no brainers when I found out, of course, about the link up in the event and then like kind of your brand. I was like the Galaxies community, you know, being yourself within this group, glowing up. Yeah. I was like, why didn't I think of that? You know what I mean? Like it was yeah. a lot of different things that I was like, that makes total sense. And, you know, sometimes branding kind of takes the process on like the audience has to get it. And like, I got it immediately. So I love that right. fact that you had that. In addition to the content creation now, I don't know why there isn't content 101 in college. <laughs> I know. I know. It's crazy to me because I literally learned a lot, like 90% of my stuff from YouTube. And and it's crazy because they will teach you how to do it. But then you just got to add your own spin to it exactly. and just make it you know, just make it as uh, fluid as possible. So, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And I was like, our professors ain't creating no content. So, like, how do we do this? <laughs> um, but, no, your content strategy, like, to this day, always amazes me because not only, like, just meeting you in person, actually, but going forward, every time I see it, you know, it's consistent and I'm not annoyed. You know what I mean? Like, so people uh-huh. that are consistent that I'm like, here comes them again. Like, I'm never like right. that when it comes to your content. So talk about your content. I know it's very, of course, I know it's very nuanced. I know it has a lot of stats, but talk to me about your content strategy. 
Um, my content strategy has always been quality. I don't like to just put anything out there that doesn't look marketable or doesn't look aesthetically pleasing, you know? And I think you got to spend a lot of time on one, what's the message that you're trying to portray? What's the feel you're trying to give off? So like, how do you want people to feel when they're looking at it and when they leave, should they be in awe? Should they, should they be like, wow, like I'm inspired to do some of my own things. Um, and then also what's the call of action that you're asking for at the end? You know, a lot of the times when, when things look good, they note it, but they don't necessarily have a call of action. Like, so say if you're looking at my content and you're like, okay, it has a call of action. It looks great, but you, you're not clicking on it right now. But in your mind, it's like, okay, but I, it's noted. Cause I, I know it looks good and you remember it. So the next time you see it, you're like, yo, I want to be a part of this, you know? And I think that's for everybody. A 90% of my customers that come, they came the second or third time around. They didn't, they weren't the first ones to sell, buy a jacket, buy shoes. They weren't the first ones to do any of that. They literally had to see my stuff two, three times before they bought into it. And that's because I left them with the feeling it was memorable and I left a call of action afterwards. So I think the thing for creatives is you always have to, one, find quality, find a person on you on YouTube, find a person on, you know, Instagram and see what they're doing. Look at look at the cuts, look at the the filters, look at everything that they're doing and say, okay, now how can I model that? And how can I make it something that it's coming from me and it looks like authentic to me and I'm not trying too hard. And I think once you kind of find your your ideal person or your ideal business model or whatever, then you can start emulating that and adding your own spin to it. Um, but so I always try to add quality to, to the space, not, you will never see a grainy picture on my, <laughs> on my feed. You will never see like a, a, over, and you also have to consider how long are your videos? Um, the shape of them, are they long ways? Are they tall? I, I typically like tall videos just because it catches the readers or the attention of people a lot longer than, um, a longer video. So all those little little innuendos, you kind of have to think about when, you, when you're trying to sell a product or when you're trying to sell your brand um, when you're creating your content. And I can really tell there's so much alignment with everything because as soon as I see a great picture on your page, I'm going to hit you up like, is this you? Like, right. So I can already tell. Are you like, sure the, hacked your page? Right, right. <laughs> the identity, the brand identity is there. The alignment is there. And I want to yep. talk about, too, how, like, not only growing the following, but seeing it in person. Like, not many yeah. people can see that success. You know what I mean? Like, I saw a few come out. Oh, you follow me. You connected with me. But even through there and growing your social following and growing your brand, you saw at the link up, it was a lot of people. It sold out people that came. And I'm yeah. even then, like, just talk to me about how, like, that transition came. Like, okay, I got the speakers. I got the venue. I got everything. Where, did you ask yourself, are people going to show up? Did you already know? Like, Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I even spoke to Drew, and he, he asked me, he's like, how are you feeling? And I said, I feel like I'm going to throw up every single day. <laughs> like, for sure. And it was just because it was... And, and you know, with, with doing events and stuff like that, your first event, because nobody really knows what you're capable of. They don't know what they're buying a ticket to. They're just like, a lot of them just buy a ticket just based off the strength of, I know her and this, this could be cool, you know? Um, so when I did the link up, I was more so, 
because I'd never done an event before, I felt like I was force feeding tickets down people's throats. I felt like it was just like, buy tickets, buy tickets, buy tickets. And and I just felt like it was just too much. Like anytime somebody were to talk to me, I was always trying to get them to buy a ticket instead of just genuinely just like letting it flow. Um, it was a lot of trying to get people to just buy, buy, buy. And I noticed by my second event, which was my pop-up shop, it was a lot easier to do because not only had people been to my events before, but they also knew the quality of work. And, and I'm not just going to give them just an event. I'm going to give them an experience. So like the same marketing and, and experience you see just by looking is just by looking on, on digitally or virtually is the same experience, if not more, you're going to get when you walk into a Kaoka Lee event, you know? And so that's what I like for people to feel when they walk into it is like, Oh, this is, this is a dope. Like I, I'm so glad that I spent my Saturday night going to this pop-up shop or going to this networking event because people at time is you're never going to get that back. So why not give an experience rather than just buying like a little, you know, a peer space and making it like, Oh, here's some cocktails or whatever, but no, we're going to change the lighting. We're going to, we're going to make you feel like, Oh, this is fun. You know? Absolutely. And with your experiences, you're never going to leave disappointed. And I love that because in working events, like just because this is so much work, people tend to cut corners. And then the, exactly. your your people, your attendees notice that. So with you, it was like, yep. man, everything's set. Everything's here. The violinist was popping. And then I couldn't make the uh, pop up shop. But I knew it was awesome because people were just telling me in general. And I missed out. Like the, I'm missing um, out was like it was a bad feeling. So going there and knowing that the experience is going to to be amazing you're not going to want to forget it um you're going to want to yeah. be there and then missing out i was like man i want to be there <laughs> so i love that so much too next time next, next time. time for sure for sure <laughs> i want to get into authentic martian as well because also the alignment is just super serious but as far as starting a clothing brand like from there my next question is are people gonna buy it like are they gonna buy it but i did oh, come yeah. to i was at the um fashion show i was there the launch oh, yeah. i forgot what it was called but i was there um and just saying the runway the production everything was super popping so the vibe was actually amazing but tell me about kind of to transition like i hadn't sold clothing before but now i'm going to so y'all gonna buy it tell me about that mentality super scared um <laughs> it was it was definitely a moment where i was like i am definitely walking on a leap of faith here you know and i think Sometimes you can kind of overestimate or underestimate what you're capable of. And I think that fashion show, I really underestimated myself because we were only anticipating 100 people and 200 showed up. And I think we were definitely over capacity, but we had people like literally lined up that people couldn't even get up the stairs because we had already started the show and you had like 50 people downstairs in the dressing room area. So, but I think people when you when you kind of know like what you want to do and you have a good idea about it you start to really refine um the the premise and the fundamentals of how to start that business so for example with, let's just say inventory you know inventory you don't want to buy too much stuff um so i definitely had um you know after the fashion show i bought a whole bunch of shirts and a whole bunch of whatever and some things moved and some things didn't. But that's a learning experience. You know, that's something where you're like, you're really testing your market and your marketing skills to say, OK, 
who am I, who's my target market now? Who's going to buy it now? How am I getting it out there? And is the product just sitting here or is it moving out? Am I shipping it off? So things like that, you know, you really have, it's a trial and error and, you know, you lose money, but you also gain money. So your first like three, four months is really going to be tricky because you don't necessarily know how it's going to do in the market. Um, especially when you're com- competing against, you know, eat and, and enemies and, um, um, Brazil, more like all these different clothing, uh, clothing lines in the DMV area. They're just, they're so competitive. So I think once you, once you really kind of get a grasp on like your market and what people it look to you to provide, it's a no brainer. But I think it really just takes like, I mean, I sold jumpsuits to leggings, like to all types of stuff. And then I figured out, oh, this is my market. This is what people look to me for. Got it. And then I just started producing the same thing in just different colors and different whatever because they like that material. Don't fix it if it's not broken. But that first initial three months, you got to figure out what they like and what they don't like. So I love the attention to detail. And I love that you had a focus on the audience. And it kind of just in general, when I saw the clothing line, it was like, this stuff, why isn't it out there? You know what I mean? Like, you fill the gap, yeah. which I think was super important. But talk to me about, like, of course, the culture pulled up to the fashion show. It pulled up to the sales as far as buying the clothing. <laughs> were there audience, like, development strategies that we're using? Or you were like, I got my tribe, thanks to the galaxy. Now let's go ahead and introduce something new to them. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I definitely have my tribe, thanks to the galaxy, and just putting myself out there. But I also was very strategic as far as who I partnered with. So that fashion show was in Baltimore. And for those that are listening to the podcast, Baltimore and D.C. are at least an hour away. So my folks coming from D.C., I could count on them being there. But that's where my idea of 100 people showing up. The people who I partner with for that fashion show, they were based out of Baltimore. So they had a whole slew of people that came through. And that's just more eyes and more, you know, people that can touch the product and feel the product and and more customers for me so you just have to be very strategic especially if it's your first event don't be afraid to partner with other people because they have an audience just like you and if you invite their audience to come and merge with yours you can make more money than you ever thought you would that night just because you're exposing it to more viewers more money, more magic. It just seemed like such That's a seamless, <laughs> like, yeah, just a seamless, you know, connection there. Like, what are the things yeah. you look for when it comes to partners? Is it like, hmm, you're not feeling my vibes? And I've noticed, too, like, kind of the bias sets in where it's like, listen, if I don't know you, I'm not partnering with you. So what does partnering right. with Authentic Martian look like for you? Um, One, can we communicate well? Um, Are we on the same team as far as, like, the vision? Um, and sometimes they just have to allow me to do my little creative thing because this last fashion show, they have never done a fashion show before they done pop-ups before, and they've all been successful. But as far as an experience, um, I, since I've been dancing for so long, I have a certain way of like doing a production, um, because I've, I've, I've dealt with productions my whole life, you know? So allowing them to trust me on that and to trust them on like, you know, delivering on their end as well. Um, it, it just, you have to be able to have like that type. And granted we were friends before 
I was friends with them before and you know they they just helped me a lot with like starting a clothing line because they've a Brazil did more they've had theirs for a while um so when I teamed up with those guys it was it was pretty cool because they taught me things but I also ex- like showed them the experience of what it means to bring people in and have an experience rather than just come for an event you know get a drink and leave you know I really wanted people to feel like oh I could dress up I'm gonna show out you know and just be so excited to really come to something and feel like you know this is I'm always gonna I'm never gonna know what to expect when I come to one of these types of events so Absolutely. And I love how it was the atmosphere was there for sure. And, you know, production is super important. So going back to creating content, it was like, I got the goods. Like, I know how to put on the event as well. Like, we got to show out for these people and not give them what they're expecting. So I love that. Exactly. Absolutely. Tell me about, of course, the balance there. So now we got the brand. We got, you know, the nine to five. We still got you and your content. And now the Mm -hmm. pandemic. So tell me how that kind of the transition. What did that look like for you when it came to Authentic Martian being still an entity during this time? I had a lot of expectations this year as far as what I wanted to put out. Especially when it came to, like, events and just reaching my community and reaching my audience. I had a a whole plan and that was really just to do more events. And unfortunately I wasn't able to do that. So that meant my marketing had to be like up to two, two or three notches, you know? And so I think that's just one of the things you got to make lemonade somehow, some way, you know? So I was really able to, since I, since I knew marketing and since I knew content, I was just like, Oh, we gotta, we gotta up the ante a little bit. Um, and I, and I was able to do that. I know some people like yourself and other people, they do well at lives. They do well at, you know, really utilizing all of their platforms. I'm not really a live girl, to be honest. Um, I need to get better at that, but, and I think people have their strengths and and definitely have their weaknesses. I just do better at automating content. Um, so, you know, some people aren't, aren't able to do that and some people are. And so I just try to utilize all strength that I had, um, during this pandemic and granted, we've had some very unfortunate events like George Floyd and, um, you know, Breonna Taylor. And so what I wanted to do, um, I basically put on a campaign for, you know, for each of the proceeds, uh, it all goes to the bail project. And so through doing that, um, that actually was the jumpstart of marketing for me that helped me during the pandemic um, because I was able to give back, but also I was able to serve my community um, as much as possible and still get. And so I wouldn't have things just sitting there, you know what I mean? Um, and, and, And not just sitting in my house, but I can actually make orders and shipping and stuff like that. So that was able to help me throughout the pandemic. And then, um, you know, just continuing to just build my business and scale it without having to be in people's faces. I think 2021 will definitely get back to events once it's safe and able to. Um, But, you know, for for what we were able to do this, um, you know, this pandemic, you just got to continue to just be innovative and, and reach your audience the best way you can. 
I love that too. And the activism in there was super important, but I love how it wasn't a pandering. You know what I mean? Like, I think right. even just doing a strategy for the culture, like we too, like as black people can kind of get there, we're like, is this pandering to my other community folk? You know what I'm saying? Is this, is this pandering to my galaxy? And it wasn't like that at all. So I love how you implemented that as well. I got one more question for you and it's basically centered around, of course, strategies for the culture and things like that. You have done so many. Kind of tell me what you think when it comes to the intersection of business, being black, and how our experience is a little bit different when it's time to produce kind of a strategy for the culture. Um, producing strategy for the culture, I don't shy away from being black at all. And in fact, I make jokes about the black community and 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 just, you know, really just amplifying the fact that I am black and I'm going to use it to my best advantage. I support black businesses and, you know, local businesses. And I just think there's at this point, there's no point of shying away from who you are and what you are. And I just think that it, it further goes into my narrative of being authentic. This this year has been all about support give support, show support, and then receive that support. And you have to be willing to receive it. I think that's the biggest thing because a lot of people will show love, but when people show love back to them, they get bashful, they get shy, and it's not, you got to reciprocate that blessing, you know? Um, so I, I just think that for the culture, you do things for your community, but then you also, you know, want to receive that, that same love back. And that's how we're just going to continue, you know, wealth within our community and within our culture. 100%. KO, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. I so appreciate yes. it.